This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by. Bet Rivers coming up on today's podcast. We're previewing the Browns offseason with the preeminent Browns beat reporter, the great Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. We look forward to it. Mary Kay in just a moment. Where else but right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We are back with one of our favorite guests here in the bullpen, the great Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the Browns, of course, for Cleveland.com, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Mary Kay, how are you? Thanks for joining me. I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, we were just talking off the air about, you know, my vacation coming up and you're going on vacation soon, too. It's it's the time of the year, right? Just before free agency starts. Yes, exactly. I planned <laughs> it right before the start of free agency on yeah. March 11th. Uh, that's when, you know, the legal tampering period starts. So I, I right. planned a trip for March 2nd through the 9th. Now, of course, I'm sure that, you know, three or four big things will probably happen when, oh, yeah. when I'm uh, down in Florida. But, you know, I will have the computer with me so it travels well and I probably will end up working some. It, you know, the Browns don't always have a lot of wins, although they did this year. But they always they never let us down in terms of news. There's always a story when it comes to the Browns, right? Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even when they were losing year after year after year uh they were still always in the news always making headlines and there was always uh plenty of eyes on the browns 100 percent. all right we will get to free agency later but i know you just spent a week at the super bowl uh which is a great time to if nothing else to schmooze with schmooze with a lot of people in the business and it was also a big week for the browns because they won four awards of the four awards they won which one surprised you the most Joe Flacco. Yeah, that doesn't even uh, really, it doesn't even take a lot of thought for me to come up with that. Uh, that was the one absolutely that surprised me the most because for, for the obvious reason, I mean, DeMar Hamlin actually died on the field and had to be brought back to life. And for him to make it back out onto the football field the season after that, when no one had any idea if he was ever going to play again, nobody even knew if he was going to survive that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so for that to happen, I for sure thought, that he was the comeback player of the year. And I think because of a little bit of a glitch in the voting system, uh, that's why he didn't win it. And, you know, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do about that now. But I think moving forward, they might fix that glitch. And it's just not going to be in time to help Jamar. Yeah, I I think the the league kind of screwed that up. Like, I I thought I actually would have voted for Matt Stafford or or even Baker before Flacco because – those guys both had great years for the whole season. But I wouldn't have voted for DeMar Hamlin. I thought they should have created a separate thing for him, like honor him, because comeback player to me is a guy who came back and played great. He barely played. His story is remarkable, and I would have had like a courage award or a toughness award 
that I would have given to him and named after him. And then you could have given that to another guy going forward. But what are you going to do? Well, you know, I mean, there is some talk that they might split that award out a little bit and do a most improved player award and then a comeback player of the year award. But that still wouldn't have satisfied your criteria because you're saying that there should be a just sort of a, you know, a courage award or something like that. Um, But I, I think Jamar fit nicely in the comeback player of the year category. But I do think then maybe it would be good to have a most improved player category for the Bakers and the Mats and those kind of guys. Yeah. And obviously Stafford coming off a down year and Baker, but anyway, uh, Miles Garrett wins defensive player of the year. And there are some people that feel like maybe he's too focused on that. Do you think that that's an issue? And B, do you, whether you do or don't, do you think he's going to be less concerned about it going forward now that he has won one? You know what? I think this year he did a phenomenal job of not talking about it, not focusing on individual goals. All he cared about was winning a Super Bowl. And even after he won this award on three occasions, I talked to him in different spots after he won the award. And it was all about winning the Super Bowl. And it just wasn't about himself. I think he's really matured and grown up in that way where, you know, this was something that when he was a rookie, he mentioned wanting to get and he's talked about it at other times. But now all he really cares about is bringing a championship to Cleveland. He understands that that's how uh, you have, that's how you measure success. Did you help your team win a Super Bowl? And so I, you know, I just think that he gets it now. I really do. And I don't think he's going to be like just laser focused on trying to get NFL defensive player of the year. Mary Kay, Kevin Stefanski has now won two coach of the year awards in four seasons. Not many coaches can say that. Uh, but he doesn't have a contract extension, at least not yet. Are you surprised that it hasn't happened yet? And are you expecting it to happen sometime soon? Yeah, I do. I think it'll happen sometime soon. I mean, again, when you win two coach of the years in your first four seasons, you're going to get an extension. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of just when. And, you know, I'm sure that they're just involved in a lot of other business right now. You know, they had to completely overhaul their whole offensive staff. They had to get an offensive coordinator in place. That's a big, huge hire. Um, You know, they had to do a lot of things. Then they had to get the Super Bowl out of the way. They knew they were up for a lot of awards and they had a lot of guys traveling. Uh, So I, you know, now they're in a little bit of a lull before they go to the combine. Maybe they'll do it now. Maybe they'll wait a little bit. But the point is Andrew Barry will get an extension. Kevin will get an, an extension and it should happen fairly soon. Do you, does your, I, I, well, it's funny when they did the press conference for Ken Dorsey, Ken, Dor- I, I don't know who, in, which one of you guys asked about Ken, about the play calling, of course, which is a huge story. And he said, you know, it hasn't been decided. I remember it. And in the press conference, Kevin, even preemptively before you guys had a chance to ask him in his opening remarks said, Hey, it's not been decided yet. What does you, you know, this team as well as anybody. And that's not exaggeration. That's, that's the fact. What is your gut telling you about who is going to call the plays? I know at this point we don't know for sure, but your gut is pretty good good sense to what to go with. So what what do you think at this point? Well, I I have very strong feelings about this and I was the one that did ask Ken Dorsey about how how important would it be for him to call the plays. Um, and I have strong feelings about this. I they could surprise us. And, and change this up and give and hand it over to Ken Dorsey. But I think I would be surprised about that because here, here's why I think that. And I wrote a column about this recently. 
this really is the first opportunity for Kevin Stefanski to Kevin Stefanski to call plays for Deshaun Watson for a full season together. We've not seen that yet. And, you know, we heard Andrew Barry say in his wrap-up press conference that he thinks it's one of Kevin's strengths. Then why would you take it away from him? Why would you do that? I mean, they just went 11-6 and six when they were down to essentially their fourth quarterback, okay? So I don't know why you would take that out of his hands. Um, Ken Dorsey, everything's too new for him this year. He doesn't know how uh, Deshaun Watson is going to react in a two-minute drill. He doesn't know how uh, David Njoku is on a contested catch. He doesn't know... Uh, you know, what Amari's like in this situation or Elijah, he doesn't know his personnel yet. I would not do that. You could always give it to him later. You could even give it to him next year. But this year with so many new players on the, uh, on the offensive staff, so many new coaches on that offensive staff. Uh, I, I just think Kevin needs to do it. You need some stability and some continuity. And what if, what if he's Andy Reed? You know, I mean, who knows? We don't know yet. We have not had an opportunity to see it. Let's see what he's got. I agree with everything you said. Uh, the one thing that I hadn't thought about really, and I don't know why I didn't think about it, but it's a great point by you, is the newness to Ken Dorsey. You know, we're so used to in this league, new people come in and, you know, they get a new job. But why, right now, you don't have to do that. So it's a great point. It doesn't make any sense. If ultimately Ken Dorsey calls plays this year, are you going to feel like, whether he admits it or not, that, it, that Stefanski had his hand forced? Or if, or if Dorsey calls plays, will you believe him when he says, hey, this was my choice? What do you think? I think it'll be collaborative to a certain okay. extent, but I really do believe that there's such a good relationship between Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and, you know, Paul DePodesta and Andrew and Kevin. I don't think they would force his hand on this. I really don't. I, I don't think that you're going to do that to your head coach that you think so highly of and who just won his second Coach of the Year award. If he could wants to Jimmy call, do it though, Mary? He's no. hard to catch up. But could Jimmy? You don't think Jimmy would do that? No, I don't. Okay, I, I think J- Jimmy's learned that no, you don't. You don't do those kinds of things. So that's great. I, I think that they understand how good Kevin is at his job, and they'll let him do this the way that he wants to do it. The the biggest loss it it seems like on the offensive coaching staff is Bill Callahan. I mean, we all knew that was a chance when his son got his job in, in the Tennessee, and I think the Browns did the right thing here. The guy they hired, uh, is it Andy Dickerson? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. Now, this guy has experience, and he mm-hmm. might be a very well very well be a good coach, but Bill Callahan is widely considered one of, if not the best position coaches in the league. How big a loss is this, and will we notice it on the field, do you think? Well, I think they did a great job. It was a great save to get Andy Dickerson. Andy was here before, so he knows the lay of the land. Uh, And he is an experienced offensive line coach who has handled that job as the number one guy, as opposed to, say, promoting a Scott Peters who's never done it before, even though he learned everything from Bill Callahan and is excellent at his job. Uh, This will give them, you know, somebody that can just step right in and do a fantastic job. And I I think they're going to be okay. I mean, they've got some of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. It's easier to coach a Joel Batonio to a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro than it is, you know, somebody who's not sure. a good guard. I mean, they, yeah. they've got really, really good players. Andy is inheriting a star-studded lineup, and I think he'll do a fantastic job with it. Looking at the personnel decisions they have, I think the first one, big one, before we get to free agency, is the Nick Chubb situation. Um, you know, 
there's part of me that's that's you know I I try to balance for me as a fan and as a media member the the analytics the data and the heart and soul right and yeah I don't want to spend a ton of money on a running back history recent history has shown you that a ton of money on a running back doesn't make much sense but you know and we all know how special Nick Chubb he is the he is the perfect football player in a way right. You want fi- how many times can we say if you had fifty three Nick Chubbs, you win the Super Bowl every year? They got to bring the cap number down. We don't know. Uh, so let me ask you this: How does it play itself out when it's all said and done? And w- do you think he'll be ready to go for the start of the season? You know what? I don't know if he'll be ready to go for the start of the season. I think that that would be tough for him to be ready to go, given everything that he's gone through. Now. Again, we're talking about Nick Chubb, and he's one of those freak of nature people who his body heals in a way where other normal humans doesn't happen like that for them. Yeah. Uh, so, so Nick's got that going for him. But I still think it would be hard to be ready at the very beginning of this season. So I think he's going to have to ease his way into it a little bit. And then I think there is a way uh, to restructure the contract or to structure it uh, in such a way that you are giving him incentives for games played, bonuses along the way and all those kinds of things. And, and I think that, you know, they'll, they'll try everything they possibly can to do right by Nick Chubb. And, you know, they know how important he is to the community, to the team, to the franchise, and they certainly don't want to end on any kind of a bad note with Nick Chubb. So they'll try everything that they can to make this go well. Uh, we, I know on, on our show here on the podcast, a lot of fans are talking about wide receiver being a priority this off season. Uh, maybe this group's biggest flaw in the four years has been their inability to draft and develop wide receivers to this point. Now, David Bell still got a chance. It's been two years and obviously Cedric Tillman, it's been one. They traded obviously for Mark Cooper has been great, but there's been a lot of talk about this crop of free agent wide receivers. I personally think Michael Pittman and T Higgins will be get, get franchise tagged, but even besides those guys, there's some interesting guys like Mike Evans, Marquise, uh, not uh, Marquise Brown, Brown uh, Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some good receivers that are, would clearly be the second best receiver on this team. Do you expect the Browns to be aggressive uh, on that front? for a proven wide receiver and not just another wide receiver draft wise. I absolutely 100% think that they should be. Yeah. Um, But I also know that they think of their pass catchers globally. So they believe that they not only have a 1000 yard receiver in Amari Cooper, but they look at David Njoku in that same category as a pass catcher. So they look at their pass catchers globally. And I think that, um, you know, they're not probably going to go out and absolutely break the bank for a number two receiver. I think they need to find one. Um, I think they need to get one, but I don't know if they see it quite like that because they feel that they've got two of the best in the business in Amari and David, and then they need to, you know, have some good pieces around them. Um, so I don't know if they feel the same sense of urgency that, you know, that, like if I were GM for a day, right. I would go out and I would be signing one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but I think that they're going to look at the money and, it, you know, if the numbers climb too high and again, they have to be uh, cost conscious because, you know, Deshaun has a $64 million cap charge this year. And a lot of other yeah. guys are, are way up high in the stratosphere as well. Um, so I don't know that they are going to go out there and break the bank for a number two receiver, but I think that they will add at least 
one or two other really good receivers. I, I look at it as you're dealing with this monster in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think this season in particular is disheartening for fans because when the Chiefs won their other two Super Bowls, you were like, okay, they were the best team. I get it. But this year, they seemed so vulnerable. They, ne- I don't think anybody at any point this year thought they were the best team in the AFC, let alone in the NFL, and they still won. They beat, they beat the three teams in the Ra- – well, especially the two teams in the Ravens and the Niners that most of us thought were the two best teams all year, plus a Buffalo team with a great quarterback who got hot down the stretch, and they beat them all. And I think when I look at it, if I'm the Browns, if I'm the Bengals, if I'm the Ravens, the Bills, any any of these teams that's trying to get past the Chiefs, I don't think there's too much you can do. I understand you got to worry, you know, there's a cap, and the good thing is Jimmy's not afraid to spend. We know that about him. But I, it's almost like you have to go overboard because the Chiefs is such a monster. Well, that's true. I mean, now, not only do you have to worry about Patrick, who is Superman and amazing and all of those things, yeah. uh, but, I mean, look at that defense. I mean, they have yeah. one heck of a defense and one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL in Steve Spagnuolo, and that wow. is a major reason why they won that Super Bowl. And, yep. uh, you know, so it's an underrated aspect of the team. We hear about Travis. We hear about Patrick. Well, guess what? I mean, look at Chris Jones. I mean, he's phenomenal. Yeah. And there are so many other guys on that defense uh, that are, are so good. So, yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, they're, they're tough across the board. But I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to need to add a couple of more weapons themselves. They, they found out this year that, okay, they do have some deficiencies. And I do think that they missed a, sort of a Tyreek Hill sort of entity on their offense. Not, not that you could just go out and find a Tyreek Hill somewhere. Sure. But I think they need to find at least another really, really formidable weapon for their offense, at least one, and then you know continue to add to that defense. Because the AFC teams are so tough. They're so tough. The Browns yeah. are, you know, they're in a Super Bowl window right now where they can do it. They've got what it takes to do it. But they have also landed at this point uh, when Patrick Mahomes is, stand- Mahomes is standing in their way Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. I mean, it's a renaissance of quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah. Really, really good teams, good defenses. It's just not going to get any easier. No. And ultimately, you know, we haven't seen Deshaun Watson was playing at that level in Houston. Uh, and he hasn't done that here. Obviously, he had the great second half against the Ravens, but we really haven't seen that, certainly not with any consistency. And ultimately, isn't isn't it going to come down to that? You know, we could talk about wide receiver and but but if the if Deshaun Watson can't get back to being at least close to the quarterback he was in Houston, that ultimately I think the Browns are they're just going to fall short no matter how good the rest of the team is. I I think. What do you think? Well, I agree with you. I think that a lot of it rests with Deshaun. But unlike a lot of other people, I believe that it's in there. I believe Deshaun yeah. can still be the quarterback that he was. I don't think he forgot how to play. I don't think he's lost his arm talent. I don't think he's lost his foot speed. I don't think any of that has happened. Obviously, he's been through a lot uh, since we saw him play at that level. But I still think he's that quarterback if he has the right supporting cast, the right play caller, the right system, the right talent around him. I think he can do it. I, I absolutely do. You can't go out there and do what he did coming out of the locker room in Baltimore if you don't still have it in you. And I think last year can be completely attributed to the shoulder injury. He was never the same 
after he suffered the shoulder injury initially against right. the Titans in week three. He was just never the same after that. So I think that has to be that year has to be thrown out the window. And to a certain extent, 2022 has to be thrown out the window because they didn't even really have the offense in place the way that it's going to look this coming year when they rebuild it. Um, you know, they weren't ready for the whole Deshaun experience yet, quite yet that year. And coming back off of the suspension was, you know, just a, it was, uh, you know, unprecedented, you know, I mean, there was just nothing quite like that before and nobody handled it very well. So, you know, no, nobody has seen yet what Deshaun Watson is capable of, but if he's healthy and that's the big if, because yeah. there's no precedent for this injury, there's right. no precedent for this injury. If he is healthy, I still think he can be a top six quarterback in the NFL, top seven quarterback yep. in the NFL, but it, we, we just don't know. Yeah, it's possible, but he's got, yeah, the health is the key and he hasn't been very healthy. Let's go to the deep. Let's wrap it up with the defense. Mary Kay. First of all, the secondary is so deep, even undrafted guys, like guys made their presence pretty much almost everybody that played in the secondary last year, at least to some degree played well uh, because of that. You know, the Browns haven't had a first-round pick in a while, and their second-round pick, because they had a good season, is pretty low. Do you see a scenario – I was talking about this the other day – that I thought it was possible that if there was a guy they loved early in the second round, that maybe they could use Greg Newsom in a trade to move up? Not that Greg Newsom's not good. I just think they have enough depth that they could cover for that if there was a guy they felt they had to get earlier in the second round. Do you see that being a possibility? You know what? I really don't so okay. much uh, in part because, uh, you know, Andrew Berry really believes wholeheartedly in his draft picks, especially True. his first round picks. And he does not part with those players easily at all. He doesn't even part with the third round picks easily. <laughs> right. I mean, he really yeah. believes in his guys. And, you know, I think they see uh, Greg continuing to improve. And it's very difficult to acquire good quality cornerbacks. It's very tough. So I really don't see that happening. Um, by the same token, you know, I, I would never put anything past Andrew because he's aggressive when it comes to acquiring talent. But at this point, I'm going to say, no, I think they feel really good about Greg and he will be here. My prediction at linebacker is Taki Taki is back as the middle linebacker and they let Anthony Walker walk. Agree or disagree? Well, I think that there seems to be a fairly good chance of that. You know, Anthony's been, you know, injured a lot. And um, even in his wrap up, you know, clean out locker day press conference, you know, he didn't sound 100% certain that he would be back. But if you can get a, a player back like an Anthony Walker, you gain so much in terms of leadership and sort of like almost quasi coach on the field type of guy that, um, you know, it behooves you to have a player like that around. He is one of the truly great leaders on the football team, and you need some of those guys. That's uh, the thing that pushes you over the top into the Super Bowl is when you have a collection of great leaders. Final thing, Mary Kay, if your your best guess will the will the starting defensive end opposite Miles Garrett be a guy who's currently on the roster, a draft pick in this draft? or a veteran from another team? You know, right now, I'm going to say currently on the roster, I know they like Z. I think that I think Z will be back. Okay. Um, but having said that, I do think that they need to push the envelope there and bring in another guy 
uh, that can be a double digit sacker. That's something that I would do. I don't know if they see it that way. A lot of teams, that's a luxury. A lot of teams don't have that guy who can also get nine, 10 sacks. Uh, And I think they like the rotation of what they have. Z, Oboe, Alex. Um, So they might not go out and spend that kind of money. uh, But that's one place where I would spend my pennies. Mary Kay, great stuff as always. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. Great chatting with Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. She thinks that Darius Smith's going to be back, maybe Anthony Walker as well, and that they will work it out with Nick Chubb. A lot of great insight from her. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening. Please hit the subscribe button. Please give me a thumbs up. Hit the bell. Get the alerts whenever the podcast comes on. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. We'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. 